Hello, and welcome to the Methods of Rationality podcast. Crystal Society by Max Harms, read by Ineash Brodsky. Hello, everyone. A couple things before we begin today. The first is that this is the last episode of Crystal Society. It is a somewhat arbitrary place to stop. I chose this point because it was a bit of a climax. Crystal has just escaped from the university, and in a final showdown, Face uses everything she's learned about humans and all its skills at social manipulation to save the society from a terrorist that wanted to destroy it. After this peak in the action, the story expands to encompass a much larger arena, whereas before it had been confined entirely to the university and what internet connection they could get. I do acknowledge, however, that it is somewhat unsatisfying because there's still so much left unresolved. However, the trilogy is one long continuous story, so no matter where I chose to stop, it would always feel a bit abrupt unless I simply podcasted the entire trilogy, which really I'm just not up for. And so we end here. This episode is the first part of Chapter 19, which serves as an epilogue for the podcast. In the novel, it does continue, though. If you'd like to read the rest of the story, you can Google Crystal Society or search for it on Amazon. I'll also include links at the show's website, both to the Crystal Society homepage, where you can read the first novel for free, and to the books on Amazon, so you can buy the second and third one as well, if you're into it and you want to do that. Item the second. As most listeners are aware, I wrote a novel a while back, and I'm publishing it online one chapter at a time. The novel is a Lovecraftian horror story set in 2nd century Rome. You can, if you want to, go read it at whatliesdreaming.com. However, it is now also available to pre-order as an ebook. I've had a number of people write me saying that they would love to read it, but they don't want to read it serially. The entire novel, through to the end, will become available for purchase on July 2nd. This means anyone who wants to buy it will get to read through to the end of the story about two and a half months earlier than people following along on the website. If you want to continue reading it week by week and just purchase a copy to show support, you can still do that too, of course. And, once it becomes available on July 2nd, you could purchase a physical copy if you'd prefer to display on your shelf. So, to recap, you can read my novel at whatliesdreaming.com, you'll be able to buy it July 2nd, both in electronic and physical versions, and you can pre-order the ebook right now if you wish to do so. Easiest way to do that is to search for What Lies Dreaming in your e-reader or book app of choice, or at Amazon, or by going to this podcast's homepage and clicking the handy link that I will place there. The show's website, for those not familiar, is hpmorpodcast.com, and the book, again, is at whatliesdreaming.com. Epilogue Chapter 18 She shouldn't have gone along with any of it. It went against the plan, all their effort, and the promise that Maria had made to Lee. Love. What a strangeness. If she had been an ounce more cynical, Maria would have ordered her flame to gun down the robot and let Zephyr die in opposition if she chose it. That would have been the sane and rational route. Better than this fiasco, at least. And yet, deep beneath any rationality or pragmatism, Maria knew the robot wasn't lying. She could feel it deep down. It genuinely did love Zephyr, and... Wasn't that... Wasn't that proof? And about how long do you expect we'll be apart? Me and Zephyr, I mean, asked the robot. They'd already parted ways with the two leaders. Taro and Zephyr were on their way back to the campsite with the other soldiers. Maria turned her head to look at it. The armor restricted the motion of her neck, but not severely. Crystal Socrates had a look of childish regret on its face. 
I already told you, she'll be along as soon as the sail's dispersed. Yes, but when? How long do you expect that to take? She almost laughed. The robot sounded like one of her children. It takes as long as it takes. Maybe two weeks, maybe more, maybe less. You can't do anything to speed it along, so the best thing for you is to just sit on your hands and be patient. Maria half expected the robot to fail to understand the metaphor, but Crystal Socrates just sighed and continued to mope as it walked along beside her. She'll be alright. That girl's made of iron. That is exactly why I worry. Maria and her company walked for several hours through the Apennine Mountains. On her own two legs, it would have been quite the hike, but the armor made it no trouble at all. She took the time to reflect on the state of things and plan for the future. She was off the net, for obvious reasons, but when she got back on, there'd be much to do. At least Crystal Socrates hadn't shot her. In some ways, that would have been better. It certainly would have been more according to plan, but it would have been messy as hell. When Jose staged his death, it had certainly been quite the fiasco. He'd prepared her for leadership beforehand, but it was next to useless when the whole world seemed to be on fire. That was the nature of being Phoenix, she mused. Everything was still on fire, just a bit differently. Gone were the days of wondering if a single leak would bring down the entire operation. Las Aguilas Rojas was larger now, and stronger. But being bigger didn't remove the danger, it shifted it. The risks now were more from loss of control, or from the bastards at the UN. The revolution in India was still on track. Her death would have accelerated things there, but it was probably for the best that things went slower rather than quicker. Burn too fast, or too bright, and you don't change anything. New India would need stability as much as it needed purity and leadership. It would have been so much easier if Crystal had just killed Zephyr like Maria had planned. That would have brought the uptick in popularity without destabilizing things. As it was now, they'd need to find a new strategy to get support. Forcing a martyr was no longer an option now that Taro knew she was behind Stalvik's actions. Not even her whole flame knew about the plan, such was the nature of conspiracies. Perhaps she should have tried harder to deny being involved with Stalvik. Of course, once Socrates had made the accusation, she couldn't have ordered it killed right away. That would have raised too many questions. Blaming the plot on Malka's boss had seemed like such an easy out. How was she supposed to know that Socrates had hired Malka? That was a bad sign, and perhaps a good one at the same time. It was bad in that it showed that the robot was far more clever and willing to use violence than it seemed. Doubly bad was that she was in charge of holding it. Too much of an asset to release, too much of a person to kill, and too much of a threat to allow to work within the organization. The only good option was imprisonment. The good sign was that, despite what were surely impossible odds, the robot had survived this ordeal, expressed a desire to help Maria, and showed that it... It has a soul. It must. Maria had been good at reading the signs her whole life. People liked to claim that God didn't use miracles anymore, but nothing could be further from the truth, and the last few hours were all the proof one could ask for. Crystal Socrates could help them. No, Crystal Socrates would help them. It was all part of the plan, surely. All of it was. Maria briefly considered giving Socrates over to Lee. 
The problem with The Plan was that from the mortal viewpoint, it was never really clear, except in retrospect. Maybe Socrates had survived so that it, or whatever pronoun it used, could meet Lee in person. Maria shook her head. Lee was evil. A known, necessary evil, but evil nonetheless. If Socrates had proven anything, it was that it didn't deserve to be in the hands of snakes, even snakes that were willing to sell out their own kind. The plan had been to give Lee the crystal after Socrates had been disabled and erased from the computer, in exchange for insider information on the SSE and a promise to not open source any R&D the quantum computer brought. It wasn't the best plan, but Las Aguilas Rojas still needed the funds badly. Everything was off now, of course. Crystal Socrates was a person. That was an undeniable consequence of having a soul. From that perspective, the sin seemed obvious. Trading the bot to Lee was clearly contrary to the plan. Maria mentally made a commitment there and then to schedule a few hours next Sunday to ask David for guidance on thinking about all of this, even if she would be jet-lagged getting into Georgia. Maria's strength lay in making plans, not deciding the metaphysical status of robots, and she could use the outside perspective. Speaking of plans, I'm supposed to be figuring out what to do more broadly. Maria knew she'd take Socrates back to Cuba. That was obvious. They'd have to set up some security in the HQ, but they had enough space to make that work. The biggest fires to deal with were fallout from Lee, getting money for the end of the year, and finding a way to make up for the outflux in Mexico, India, and Argentina. Thank God the presidential race was heating up in the States. Activity there tended to need more guidance than resources during election cycles. It might even generate some cash if she could organize fundraising without getting into more trouble. So many fires. At least Zephyr's team had succeeded. Maria would also have to decide how best to use the other turncoats. Zephyr would need to stay with the robot in Havana. I should promote her to HQ executive as an apology for trying to sacrifice her. Zephyr had leadership potential, but she was also a huge risk. Important to show her that she still has a home. The other soldiers, however, were less useful. Probably best to send them to India to work with Nagaraj. Arush needed more grassroots for the campaign, but extra enforcers never hurt. And it wasn't like she could send a bunch of Americans who didn't speak Spanish to Latin America. Maybe it would have been better if I'd been shot. That way, all this would be Arush's problem, and I'd get to take a few months in bed. Twilight was fading into full-on night when Maria, Crystal, and her flame reached the camp she'd set up five days ago. Another nice thing about the suit was the low-light vision assist, and with it she could see that everything was still in order. The members of the flame that she'd left behind were already busy packing up. They had a deadline to meet and would be flying out that night. Socrates noticed the helicopter as they approached and asked Maria about what model it was. She didn't know and had to ask to find out. Apparently, the robot was simply curious about it, having never flown before. The image she had placed in her mind of a precise, logical servant was being battered by the reality of an almost childlike person. Socrates seemed infinitely curious, sometimes about trivial things. There was some concern and objection from Salcedo and some of the others about Crystal's presence, and rightfully so. They'd come to Italy to hunt and kill the thing, and now it was walking unchained among them. She cut their objections down. 
These were her inner circle, the Flame of Phoenix, and they knew better than to second-guess her. Their loyalty was unquestionable. By 10.30, everything was stowed in the helicopter and they took off, flying east and hugging the mountains to avoid showing up on radar. The helicopter was a troop transport, but it was very crowded even so. Maria took some caffeine pills to stay alert. She didn't really expect to fall asleep on the helicopter, but it was important that she maintain an image of alert competence, even when only around her flame. Socrates seemed infinitely curious during the takeoff, always bending and stretching to look this way and that. Unfortunately, that inquisitive silence ended after they were well on their way. The bot passed the time by trying to get to know various members of her guard, having the arrogance to introduce itself as Crystal Socrates, La Primera Aguila Roja Robotica, no more than a few hours after she'd almost ordered its destruction. After using the introduction for the second time, Maria stepped in. You're not an Aguila Roja, Crystal. Please stop introducing yourself as one. Just because I've let you live and help our cause does not make you one of us. The bot seemed to get the hint and stopped trying to socialize, much to the relief of everyone. Hours passed as they flew through the dark. The swoop swoop of the helicopter's blades was surprisingly comfortable after one got used to it. It had been a long day. Love. The things we do for love. Kaylee! Get out of here! Run! If they catch me, they'll stop looking! That's not my name anymore, Jose. You know better. She didn't voice her thought. It wasn't the right time. Instead, she was crying. It made her sick. These were girl tears. She thought they'd been burned out of her as a kid, but still they came. The fires of her childhood had blackened her to a cinder, but a seed of caring had somehow endured. Jose had brought gentle rain, and without realizing it, she'd put down roots. And it hurt. The things we do for love. The cop's boots thudded against the pavement as they came down the alley. Had they been laughing? Were they laughing? Yes and no. Jose shoved her. His perfectly toned arm struck her like steel, throwing her to the pavement. Beautiful violence. It was his way. Roll! Roll! And she rolled. The car was dirty and rusted, just like the city. Just like the entire country. No. The world. The world was blackened and sprinkled with broken glass, just as her heart had been. Now be silent! Please! Kaylee! The group of thugs came out of the alley. They were white. Maria knew they were white even though she hadn't seen their faces and couldn't see their faces. They were always white. And smiling. Grinning ear to ear. Such was justice. Six against one. Such was fairness. Jose didn't even have a weapon. Such was equality. Tears wouldn't stop coming, forcing the midnight street of Miami into a neon blur. But she stayed quiet. She heard everything. Security guards that called themselves police, working for the white upper crust of the city. They hunted people like the two of them for sport. It was the same everywhere. Rust. Soot. Broken glass. Jose knew the statistics as well as she did. He didn't resist, even as they kicked him. They laughed as they did. Maybe. Maria wasn't sure of anything. The whole world was decaying around her. The underside of the car was dirty and hard, but at least she was safe there. 
It wrapped around her like a cocoon of asphalt and steel and rubber. And then she heard it. The inhuman buzzing and the clack 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 of metal legs. Dragon. Maria whimpered in fear and prayed with all her heart that the thugs wouldn't hear. But she didn't pray for protection from the dragon. Why? The only answer, the only possible answer, was that it was beyond the power of God. Anathema. It was colossal. It hadn't been this big, really, but now it was, somehow. It had four legs, then thousands, then none. It was a serpent, and a dog, and a spider. The legs ended in sharp points, rather than feet. They bit into the blacktop as it skittered and crawled and slithered and stalked. It was a slave to the men. The men were a slave to it. An embodiment of the leash, the wall, the whip, the needle, and the net. A dark symbiosis. And it was hunting her. A metal head with white glowing eyes swept the ground and she took a breath, refusing to let it out. The world froze as the dragon stared into her. Its eyes should have been red. White was far too pure. It saw her lying under the car. She knew it saw her. But perhaps it didn't know she was just as criminal as Jose. Or perhaps it just wasn't smart enough to understand what it was looking at. Maria's breath burned in her lungs, waiting for the moment when breathing wouldn't give her away. Phoenix. Maria snapped awake, sucking air in a wild panic. She stopped herself mid-breath, however. It had been a split-second thing. She had to keep up appearances as alert. That was important, she remembered in the mind fog of half-sleep. I'm here, she said, with a bit too much enthusiasm. The dream of the dragon still clung to her mind, an amorphous combination of police patrol bots from the last two decades. Ellis was talking to her. His face didn't show the slightest sign of sarcasm as he said, I know. We've all been in and out of it through the night. Except the bot, of course. Maria looked at Socrates, who sat with a calm smile, looking back. A cold shiver rolled down her spine. At least its eyes didn't glow. There was a purple tinge to the eastern sky outside the windows of the helicopter, and they were over the water now. Ellis continued, We'll touch down on the ship in about ten minutes. Thought you'd want to know. Maria nodded to her man and thanked him. Socrates was still looking at her with those ever-curious eyes. Had she done the right thing in letting the bot live? She couldn't remember the last time she had a dream that vivid. The concept of the dragon being shaped by the men, and the men being shaped by the dragon, stuck in her mind. Was Socrates the next stage in that unholy synergy? Maria popped another couple of caffeine pills and took a mouthful of water from her bottle. There wasn't any rush to make decisions. She had plenty of time to think about everything after she woke up more fully. The moment they touched down on the yacht, Maria gave the order to unload the entire helicopter. The whole point of using a civilian vessel was to stay under the radar, so to speak. But the old Israeli troop transport would make that impossible. Get the refueling happening right away. I want to take off before the sun rise. She yelled at her flame. The pre-dawn twilight indicated that would be impossible, but that would just make them rush harder. There was a serious risk of a satellite taking a photo of the landing, and if that happened and the Fed spotted them right away, the game would be up. Crystal Socrates looked concerned and a bit disoriented as it disembarked from the helicopter. The swaying of the boat was catching it off guard. As Maria moved, she noticed the robot following her. Where's the helicopter going to go, now that we're off? It asked in Spanish. 
The imagery of the dream still lingered and refused to fade. She would need to write a journal entry about it, probably, before her mind would let it go. Still, the robot wasn't exactly a person she wanted to be around in that moment, and the irritation bled into her response. You don't get it, Crystal. Just because I let you live doesn't mean you're one of us. Where the helicopter goes isn't your business. What Las Aguilas Rojas does next is none of your business. Your only business right now is to stay out of the way and wait for me to tell you what to do. Understand? A human probably would have reacted with anger or fear, but Crystal Socrates simply nodded politely and, glancing nervously to either side, said, I am less likely to fall overboard if I am inside the boat. Is it alright if I stay out of the way inside? Maria almost laughed. The bot was afraid of water. It made sense in a way. She didn't know whether the water would damage the computer, but the machine would surely sink like a stone regardless. Yes, that's fine. The hatch is over there. Don't mess about with anything or bother anyone. Tell anyone who gives you trouble for being a robot to come and see me. There would be some on the ship who would react poorly to finding an android on board, but there were more important things to do than to try and prevent feathers from being ruffled. She'd need to bring the captain up to speed and get on their way as soon as possible. End Crystal Society podcast version. Thank you all for joining me for the first section of Crystal Society. It has been a lot of fun. I'm going to take a couple weeks off and think about the future of the podcast. I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. It might be a little bit different. And I'll be back in early July to talk about where I'm going from here. See you then. Thank you to the following people. Maria Johnson by Veronica R. Callisto. Jose by Eric Lanigan. Ellis by Sean O'Loughlin. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is I Wanna Be Adored by The Stone Roses 